This is Mrs. Lassiter's list of AP Biology tips. Welcome! If you're tuning in, you're probably one of my AP Biology students, or you're interested in learning more about the AP Biology exam. In this fourth episode, we'll go through the science practices. Now, you might not have heard of these, but they're a really important part, some would argue more important than the big ideas, and they're a really important part of the exam. This is what the College Board says on the science practices. A practice is a way to coordinate knowledge and skills in order to accomplish a goals a goal or task. The science practices enable students to establish lines of evidence and use them to develop and refine testable explanations and predictions of natural phenomena. So now you might be thinking, we wait, we haven't studied these in class. It's almost the end of the year. Why did my teacher skip them? Um, but even if you hadn't haven't studied the science practices outright, you've probably practiced them in your labs and your lessons. Science practices are much better learned by doing them, by actually practicing the practices, than by talking about them. So in this episode, we're going to go over what they are so you're familiar with them and what where they might have come up in class already and where they might appear on the exam. But more often than not, you've probably done most of these science practices a great deal in your AP Biology class so far. So College Board says that content, inquiry, and reasoning are all equally important, but science practices actually fit really well into the last two, inquiry and reasoning. So content is important. Those are the big ideas. But good science isn't about knowing things. It's about asking questions, collecting data, analyzing evidence, evaluating theories, and representing your research in an accessible way. So guess what? All of those are part of the science practices. And almost every test question, the science practices are incorporated somewhere, somehow. So basically, the science practices will show up on the entirety of the exam, multiple choice, grid ends, and FRQs. So briefly, let's talk about what they are, the seven science practices straight from the college board. Number one, using representations and models. Number two, using mathematics appropriately. Number three, engaging in scientific questioning to extend thinking or to guide investigations. Number four, data collection uh, and data collection strategies. Number five, analysis and evaluation of the evidence. Number six, scientific explanations and theories. And number seven, connecting and relating knowledge across various scales, concepts, and representations in and across domains. All right, so let's talk about what each of these means. I'm going to go through each of the science practices, talk about what the College Board wants you to be able to do with those, and then talk about some examples of how you might see them or how they might show up on the exam. So number one, representations and models. Uh, The College Board wants you to be able to both create and describe representations and models of natural or man-made phenomenon and systems in the domain, but also they want you to refine representations and models, use representations and models, and re-express key elements of natural phenomena across multiple representations in the domain. So where might we have seen this before? Well, if you're in my class, you've probably used a model uh, to represent how the LAC operon works or the tryptophan operon. Um, so we did built those with clay and beads. But we also used a lot of mathematical models when we did Hardy-Weinberg. So a mathematical model is still a model. So you can still use a mathematical model to describe phenomena or systems. Uh, we used phylogenetic trees, those can count as models. Maybe you'll be asked or you've been asked to represent or graphically model something uh, as far as like a data set goes or a process. Sometimes models can also be quantitative, like we've seen in all of representations of genetics. You can design a model for the exchange of molecules between an organism or between an organism and its environment. And you can think about how organisms would use this process for homeostasis. And of course, feedback loops and cell signaling pathways. We've, we've looked 
looked at lots of models and analyzed lots of models of those. So it's really going to be a key part within the AP exam. Number two, using mathematics appropriately. So mathematics are used all of the time in biology to model things, to describe behavior, to use equations and justify things. So we might have seen this when we're looking at data set and we analyze that data set with our chi-square analysis or our SEM. Uh, we'll use Hardy-Weinberg. We can use other formulas to estimate population growth. Think of everything you would see on your formula sheet and think about how that would apply to biology. So um, go through your formula sheet and think of an instance where you would use each equation. One that my students get tripped up on a lot is water potential because we do that sort of towards the start of the year, um, but think about how you would use those water potential equations as well. Maybe you'll have to apply mathematical methods to predict what's going to happen in a certain situation, or you're going to have to use mathematics to appropriately look at a data set or analyze or predict what's going to happen next. Three, engage in scientific questioning. So this is driven with how do we know what we know, not what is something. So asking simple questions like what is blank or what are the post-transcriptional modifications made to RNA. It's not as important to know what those are. Of course, we do want to know what those are, um, but think more along the lines of what experiments can we design to test this or how do we figure this out to begin with. So think about testable questions. Think about how can we refine our questions. And when you're asking questions um, for an experiment, sometimes you'll be asked to evaluate the best hypothesis or the best experimental design. Asking questions is a key part of designing experiments. Sometimes scientists will look at, you know, what is the most important ethical consideration that the scientists should consider before designing or doing this. So that is related to scientific questioning as well. So the College Board wants you to pose scientific questions, refine scientific questions, and of course evaluate scientific questions. Um, so all of these can surround experiments we do in the lab or more complicated experiments that you might not have done in class but you might have heard about. So for example, using stem cells or cloning and thinking about the ethical and civic issues surrounding those and you're rationally and scientifically discussing and addressing these issues. All right, data collection. Number four, whenever you design an experiment, I'm always asking you, how can we quantify this? So quantitative data is always uh, really good to look at, especially when we're um, trying to compare two different data sets. But of course, we know that experimentation is central to biology and central to this exam, majority of the questions are going to have to do with some sort of experiment that scientists observed or drawing conclusions from other experiments based on data. So an important part here is analyzing what type of data you should collect and thinking about what variables you should control in the experiment because you don't want these confounding variables to mess up your data. So the College Board wants you to be able to justify the selection of the kind of data that you need to answer a question or they want you to design a plan for collecting data or have you collect data to answer a question or evaluate the sources of data. So sometimes this would mean looking at data and seeing where it came from um, and making and drawing an answer to a particular scientific question from the data. So five, what comes after collecting data and analyzing that data and analyzing that evidence. So analysis of the evidence. We're thinking here of when we look at our data, are there any patterns that we can draw? Is this good data? Could we graphically represent this data to find trends or outliers? Could we do statistical analysis with this data? So applying those statistical tests here is really important. Sometimes you'll be asked to actually create a graph or look at a graph and explain the graph, its shape, and why uh, that 
you know, why that process is taking place. Sometimes we might look at genetic patterns based off the data of certain crosses and compare that to what the cross versus what we expected. Sometimes we'll be asked to look at data and then refine experiments if the data set is misleading. So that's going to be really important too. Can we critically examine the data and see if anything happened within our data set that should not be there? All right, number six, scientific explanations and theories. So this is where we're justifying claims with evidence. We're constructing explanations of certain phenomena based on evidence. We're articulating the reasons that the scientific explanations and theories are either refined or replaced. And then we need to uh, make claims and predictions about natural phenomena. And we need to evaluate um, alternative scientific explanations. So think about when we were doing the RNA world hypothesis and we were talking about, you know, it, what did metabolism come first or did replication come first? These hypotheses are going to talk about, you know, how the idea that maybe ordered chemical reactions came first and not information replication. But we're evaluating each of those uh, hypotheses and we're looking at the evidence behind them and we're articulating, you know, which one is stronger in your opinion, uh, using reasoning to explain uh, a particular hypothesis. Sometimes we can make predictions from a data set here, maybe look at population growth. And maybe you'll be able to predict how changes in the free energy available can affect how organisms will behave, or affect populations, even affect ecosystems. All right, so now that we're going up to the big level, number seven, scales and relationships. This is where you are connecting phenomena and models across different scales. So think from a really small scale all the way up through our levels of organization to a larger scale. And so um, the College Board also wants you to connect concepts in and across domains, so different different areas of study to generalize or extrapolate or to, um, you know, connect these enduring understandings. So think about how we connect evidence from lots of different disciplines to support theories or make predictions, uh, such as, you know, the evidence for evolution or looking at homeostatic mechanisms like our feedback loops. Again, feedback loops are really important. Uh, so think about how in our levels of organization, how small processes are related to larger phenomenons. So think about, you know, photosynthesis and respiration at the cellular level, and then think about how that relates to uh, our biogeochemical cycling, um, the carbon cycle, how it really comes down to where that carbon is going um, from the molecular scale all the way up to the environmental scale. Think about the relationship of genotype to phenotype and then natural selection, and then populations, and how those can change, and whole ecosystems can change. Think about cell signaling pathways, and how those complex cell signaling, signaling pathways really take place um, because of chemical properties of the molecules, and then lead to broader changes. Maybe gene expression can be changed that can send other signals all the way up to the organismal level, um, and that will affect the health of the organism. And so, you know, if you're able also to, you know, represent the connection between meiosis and increased genetic diversity, that's necessary for evolution. That's going to be a part of this uh, scales and relationship science practice as well. So when we think about all of these together, think about realistically, how are we asking questions? How are we designing an experiment? How are we collecting that data? How are we analyzing that data? Um, what mathematical models can we use to describe our data or to refine our data or to better you know, redesign another experiment? And then how can we analyze these things? How can we look at this on a broader scale? So you do all of that throughout the year at AP biology. So none of this is new, but you will be tested on your ability to work with these scientific practices. So it's a good thing to go back and think about, you know, all right, how am I using a model here? How am I using mathematics appropriately here? All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay tuned for our next episode on big ideas. AP biology is a trademark registered by the College Board, which is not affiliated with and does not endorse this podcast. Thanks. Thanks.